On today's episode of Hungry for Wisdom, what we share with you today is the most calming news you could ever imagine, and it's illegal in like 46 countries. Since we as people get distracted by big shiny objects, it's awfully convenient for us that Christ is bigger and shinier than any of the stuff that distracts us. And if you've never heard Marge Simpson tell you about Jesus, homie, Jesus deserves disciples. It's episode 66. Turn it up! I'd rather sound like Marge than one of his sisters, though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's all they do. They just sit around and go, <laughs> I'll just do my burns. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Homer's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened, man. Woke up today, and the voice was just uh, feeling a little extra. A um, little extra. It wasn't uh, Joni Mitchell. Who was that? That rock singer. Died of an overdose. There's a lot of those. Yeah, it's true. I got to be more specific. <laughs> she did the. Um, she was buddies with Morrison and Hendrix. Died in that three week span where they all died. I cannot believe I'm forgetting her name. Oh man! All I'm thinking is Joni Mitchell. That's not it. No, it's not. Oh well. When we remember it, just even when we're talking about Jesus, just go ahead and shout it I'm out. I'm going to do me. my best not to shout it out during that. Point. <clears throat> all right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'd be a little out of out of turn there. We're on microphone and we're talking to an audience. This is just you and me talking about the Simpsons and not Joni Mitchell. Uh, Episode 66 is dedicated to indulgences. Now, not the theological concept from the Roman Catholic establishment of indulgences, but the coffee shop that is on Van Giesen. I want to give a shout out to Carrie down there because that is the best coffee in town. I know there are other, you know, coffee stands and stuff, good local businesses, and that's all fine. I don't care. Indulgences is top notch for me, man. The coffee tastes good. The people are always cool when you go through there. And, um, they do a lot of great work for our community. They do a lot of charity work and collection and distribution of stuff to needy people. I've gotten to work with them on a couple of things. Uh, they always treat our officers well and things like that. So anyway, uh, just, yeah, Carrie and the folks down there uh, at Indulgences, they're on Van and Go and see them. Again, just like the last episode, this is a uh, uh, shout-out. This is only for locals. If you live in a different part of the state or a different part of the world, it's not going to help you much. But if you do come to West Richland, to get discipled to grace and truth, you need to go and see Indulgences Coffee because it's bomb. We do not have a Devo today because we are doing part three of this awesome series. And all God's people said, which means amen in music terms. Uh, we have been taking the first few episodes of season four and doing uh, God-Man-Christ response and just giving introductory Christian thought to these things for people who don't know or people who are just getting grounded in their faith or whatever or if people just want to know they're exploring or considering Christianity and they want to know what we actually believe and teach about these, you know, about anything. We figured, okay, let's just boil it down to the four kind of, I guess you could pick these as the four core elements. And so I am here as always, as well, not always, there have been episodes without you, but frankly, they're just tragic. So I'm happy to be here with the illustrious bearded beaver, Pastor Ben. Good to see you, sir. It is good to be here. Maybe my voice is starting to warm up a little bit. No, wow. see, miracles happen. This is, this is good. Prayer works, man. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we've we've done episode one was who is God. Episode two was um, uh, what is man. Did we do that one? Yeah, we did. We did, it didn't release yet. We recorded yeah. it ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. That'll be coming. I got it. Okay, sorry, I got mixed up there. Um, and then today we're going to do uh, who is Christ, and then we'll do what's the appropriate response to all of this truth, which obviously, like you know. It's like no secret, like repent and believe, turn away from everything else, turn towards Christ. Yeah. That's going to be the response. But we'll talk about what that means, how that works, you know, what that does and doesn't do for us in life and in death and things like that. Today, we're just talking about who is Christ, which I think is probably, I think I could speak for both of us when I say this might be our favorite subject. Yeah, we could go long on this. We, yeah, we're going to have to really work hard. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Get me right. talking about my favorite person. Are you kidding? Oh, man. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather talk about... I, I, I want to I talk about Jesus all the time. I want to talk to my wife all the time. And I want to talk with my kids all the time. And right? so we don't, I don't do a podcast with those other two because nobody would want to listen to it. And frankly, I wouldn't want to share it. So we're doing this whole thing about Jesus. Amen. So who is Jesus? Well, we've got... We're gonna we're gonna read some uh, some reflection on that from the Valley of Vision if we be, as we've been doing the last couple of episodes here. Uh, but I want to I want to tee up this this shot for us uh, because there's a lot of nonsense out there, right? Like a lot of nonsense. There's far more. Oh yeah. Um, 
unfounded or untrue or just bad information about Jesus. And there is actually, you know, helpful, reliable, historically sourced information about Jesus. You look at uh, National Geographic or Time Magazine or whatever, and they've always got these articles a couple times a year, right? Like, who is the real Jesus and whatever. And then, you know, it's it's all the same, like, retread garbage about somebody's theory that's based on nothing, right? So it's like, well, we only really, I mean, we've got records from outside the Bible, but they're scant and there's not a whole lot there. We really only are talking about him because he is written about in the Bible. So that is our source of information. So we're going to go there and see who he is. And what, we, what we're what we going to do is, is put to death this idea that he was uh, a, just a good man, a good moral teacher, a political or social revolutionary, uh, you know, full stop, because that... That is not the claim that he made for himself. Yeah. So we're going to look at what he actually said about himself, what his followers actually wrote down about him, and what he um, affirmed. Yeah. So let's take a read from the Valley of Vision, a reflection on being with Christ. Okay. So this is uh, Fullness in Christ is the title of this particular prayer. And these are these are devotions and prayers. And again, uh, dear listener, I would, I would encourage you to just... As you're maybe even thinking about your own quiet times or anything like that, not a bad idea to have one of uh, the Valley Division or a number of other, um, another, another of our, uh, another uh, book on prayer or something like that. Just just to have it there, it's good. It's good to help kind of mold maybe prayers, so you're not maybe praying the same thing over and over again. But this is fullness in Christ. Oh God, thou hast taught me that Christ has all fullness and so all plenitude of the spirit that all fullness all fullness i lack in myself is in him for his people not for himself alone he having perfect knowledge grace righteousness to make me see to make me righteous to give me fullness that it is my duty out of a sense of emptiness, to go to Christ, to possess, enjoy his fullness as mine, as if I had it in myself, because it is for me in him. That when I do this, I am full of the Spirit, as a fish that has got from the shore to the sea and has all fullness of waters to move in. For when faith fills me, then I am full. That is so good. Yeah. That this is the way to be filled with the Spirit. Like Stephen, first faith, then fullness. For this way makes me most empty and so most fit for the Spirit to fill. Thou hast taught me that the finding of this treasure of all grace in the field of Christ begets strength, joy, glory, and renders all graces alive. Help me to delight more in what I receive from Christ, more in that fullness which is in him, the fountain of all his glory. Let me not think to receive the Spirit from him as a thing, apart from finding, drinking, being filled with him. To this end, O God, do thou establish me in Christ. Settle me. Give me a being there. Assure me with certainty that all this is mine, for this only will fill my heart with joy and peace. Like a fish that made it back to the water from the shore. <laughs> no, can you imagine how thirsty? That's like that's better than as the deer panteth for the water. That's like <laughs> I am desperate. Yes, now I get to swim and breathe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. So Christ has all the fullness of everything that we need. Now, this is by a matter of of, uh, design. This is God's creation, right? We were created for certain things, to need certain things, and we covered that uh, last week. And this is so weird for me because it didn't release yet. Um, We we covered that uh, last week in the who is man or what is man. Um, You know, man was designed to need things, and God has provided those things, and all of them ultimately in Christ. I mean, we need food. We need, you know, this and that. But he makes, he draws these analogies where it's like, yeah, you need food to survive. I'm the living bread. Yeah, you need water to survive. I am the living water, right? Yep. And so, or sorry, bread of life and, and, and living water. So, uh, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, God has pointed our entire existence and every internal impulse that our soul has towards Christ. And then Paul comes along and says, all of God's promises are yes Man. in Jesus. So yep. it's just like, you just get this like, ah. okay, 
Well, then why do Christians seem so dissatisfied with the way things are sometimes if we have everything we need in Christ? Well, the reason is because the world's not the way it's supposed to be, right? We're we're outside of our native context. We're not at home yet. Yeah. So it's a, it's a misfit yeah. of, a, of a match while we're here. And I think sometimes you even look at, at the way the way even the cultural pressure or even just how false religions they misrepresent Christ. Mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the joys of being able to do something like this is to help let, let's let's establish some baselines for who Christ is so that because I mean because if you look at over the histories I think of all the various confessions of faith right the apostolic creed you have the the definition of Chalcedon, you have Athanasius you have the Nicene creed you notice that the Jesus portions of those particular creeds get longer and longer because they needed to be more clear because specify yeah because they had cults that would say well no we do we think that jesus is a god yeah you know or maybe he's part of a council of gods you know and he came from a planet called zolon or whatever right (laughs) right yeah or or he appeared to be human and and in the flesh but he really wasn't you couldn't really touch him and they're like yo dog have you read like john 20 and Mm -hmm. and uh, luke 24 and they're like "Mm, no (laughs) yeah but yeah, we got to specify who Jesus actually is. So we, by the way, dear listener, we picked a text at great pains to narrow it down to just one. Because the the whole point of the Bible is, here's who Jesus is, right? And, and this is, you know, here's who God is, and here's the way that he has made for you to be saved. His name is Jesus, and that's the thrust of everything. So when we say, okay, let's pick a text to explain Christ, it's like, wow, like, I, you know, to narrow it down to just one, frankly, I'd rather play leapfrog with a unicorn. Like, that's just painful because you're thinking of all the things that you can't say, yeah. you know. But we did. We narrowed it down to um, what might be my personal favorite. I don't know. Uh, but it should be one of everybody's personal favorite. There's different texts that will resonate with you more than others. This one is for me. But this should be top ten on everybody's list of uh, Christological texts. Maybe top three. I think it should be top one. I don't know. I'm... <sighs> No, it's. I mean, look, I'm a fan of the Book of Hebrews, but you Hebrews know, when, one though. I know, but when, but whenever I'm talking to somebody who's struggling with any kind of a sin, I want them, and I want them to have a face full of Jesus. It's always Colossians one. You're right. You're right. It's always Colossians Philippians 1. two is up there. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, Colossians one. Here we go. So I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read verses thirteen through. Uh, let's do. Let's do thirteen through twenty three. And then here's what I want you guys to listen for, right? I want you to listen for the person of Christ. Who is he? What's he like? What's his nature like? The person of Christ and the work of Christ. What did he do? What did he accomplish, right? The person and work of Christ. This is a pretty good summary of the gospel. Um, It's just the person and work of Christ. So here you go. Uh, I'm going to start in, yeah, verse 13 is good. He has delivered us, so this is Jesus, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might come to be uh, pre- or he, that in everything he might be preeminent. He might come to have first place would be another translation there. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister." So he says, here's the gospel that you've heard, right? The person and work of Christ. He explains it uh, rather poetically, rather succinctly, but also hits a lot of different elements of it. And he says, hold on to this. Like, don't swerve from this. So what's, you know, what do Christians believe? Well, this, we hold to it, right? So let, let's go through and... Um, uh, I don't know, Ben, we can we can hit this however you want. I'm thinking maybe we go through and pick out the elements of the person of Christ, and then we do it again, comb through it, and pick out the work of Christ. I'm game with that. Boom. All right. So it starts out actually with the uh, the work of Christ. He, he transferred us, right? Um, so verse 13, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. All right. Uh, 
I got that wrong. I said that was Jesus transferring us. God transfers us in Jesus. God the Father transfers us in Jesus. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus contains within himself, or we could say from another angle, he um, he accomplished for us redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That is his work yep. that, uh, that we benefit from when we are transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son. And the beloved son is, of course, Jesus. Which, by the way... Um, that is a statement of his person. Like he is the son of God, the beloved son of God in the, who is God episode. We hit this issue of, um, you know, Trinity, which is this weird, like beyond our mathematical structures kind of thought where you've got one God and three persons. And so we have one God, we are monotheists and our one God has three persons within himself. And they are known by various names, but one is, you know, the father, the son and the Holy spirit. So God, the father loves God, the son, and he himself is also God. It's a person of Christ. Verse 15. He is, Ben, I'm going to ask you to explain this one. He is the image of the invisible God. All right. How can you be the image of something invisible? What is he talking about? Well, I mean, to, to, to bear one's image, right, is to bear their likeness. Um, it, it makes, makes them understandable, relatable. Um, so how do we understand what God is like? We look at the person of Jesus, right? What? How did he respond to people? That's how God would respond to people, which is a little interesting because you start, if you take the contemporary understanding of the God of the Old Testament, you start to think, well, he, God's just this unhappy dude that's like ready to just crush people. And yet... God is mean and he's exactly. angry and he's he, he only he's racist because he only loves Israel, but he's also anti-Semitic because he's always punishing Israel. Yeah. And he doesn't like women because he makes them have babies and stuff. Yeah, dude, yeah. feminist theology is insane, by yeah. the way. I, yeah, but, but you get into it and it says, no, this is, first of all, when you see all of this working out in Christ, you see how Christ is responding, you also do see these very same patterns in God the Father as he responds to people, right? Look, his people broke, they broke like the first like three of the commandments before they were, the ink was even wet on the contract, right? And yet- Moses is literally on the way down the hill yes, with the commandments yes. and he's like, well, there go one, two, and yeah. three. Now, and and yes, Moses does in, in ways that make, they bring like echoes of of one pleading for mercy and an an echo or a fore echo of a foreshadowing of a great high priest making an appeal but you know what this god does forgive yeah man and so you look at how jesus responds to people you know like the woman caught in sin you, you have the you have the you have the woman at the well you have the 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 gentile who's got the son who's got um, who's got that demon, and Jesus goes, all things are possible if you believe, and he goes, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus isn't going, okay, you you, you idiots. Now, there are a few times where he does say that. To his disciples. Yeah, yeah. And, and he never minimizes the sin either. Yeah. He's never like, you know what, the sin's not a big deal. Like, you brought up the woman caught in adultery. He doesn't yeah. say, hey, I love you, don't worry about it. He says, go yeah. and sin no more. Agreed. But yeah. he's, he's showing forgiveness without without compromising any yeah. of his absolutes. Yeah, because again, if we think about it, which we'll get into as we talk about the person and work, he knew he was going to take those things Go on, on right? And the same way that God knew that he was going to pass over those former sins, which we talked a little bit about, I think, in... Um, I think it was actually in, uh, when we talked about God that that he he's going to pass over these former sins. Because why? Because he's going to pay for them mm-hmm. over here. So God is both the justifier and the just, right? Yeah, he passed kind of over thing. them, not in the sense of ignoring them, but yeah. he, he deferred them. Yeah to the to uh, when Jesus died on the cross which but this also calls back to the God made man is in his own image mm. right so you've got you know uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 right let us make man in our image and let him rule and let him have dominion over the fish of the, the sea the birds of the air all that that swim the paths of the sea you know you have all of that so Jesus himself being in the image of God as he's the he's the better for example, the better Adam. Paul yep. picks up those thra- those strains of thought in Romans, right? So you have you have Jesus being the image, the image bearer. The and, you know, and again, what is that? That, that even that even talks about extending dominion, right? Because in ancient times, right? How how did you know who was the king? His face was stamped everywhere. It was stamped on money. It was it was ma- there 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 were statues all around. This is the king. So God, God himself is saying, no, I'm. He's 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 the exact representation of me. I'm mm-hmm. king. He's king. He's my king. Oh yeah, and that's a great a great quote from uh, from Hebrews one right there. Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature yes. of God. Yeah, pretty cool. So he is the image 
of the invisible God. Also in John chapter one, verse 18, which we talked about on some recent episode, uh, where it says no one has seen God at any time. Yeah. Obviously they're referring to God, the father, you get that from the context. No one has seen God at any time, but the only son who's in the bosom of the father, he has explained him to us. He has shown him, he has uh, exegeted him to us. So, He's the image of the invisible God. Oh boy, here we go. The firstborn of all creation. Wait a second. Eh, eh, eh. Did it just say that Jesus was born? Is Jesus a created being? Help me, Pastor Ben. Firstborn, title, inheritor, owner, gets it. Yep. Position, that, not chronology. Exactly. Yep. I mean, and, and technically, you know, again, Jesus, the God man, was born. But right. that what this verse is talking about is, is his inheritance, right? He he gets all of creation, mm-hmm. and and we see that. Um, and anybody, honestly, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and go that route, you're gonna have to skip the rest of the passage because the rest of the passage is basically saying it's all about him. He gets it all. So it's not the, the idea that saying, well, no, he's the he's the first created one. That's that's not even. Yeah, that's made up going. later. Yeah, yeah. The, the um, this is a good rabbit trail, by the way. If if you're trying to sort out uh, true information about Jesus versus false information about Jesus. And, you know, I realize if you're not a Christian, you're like, well, of course you're going to say this because you're a Christian and you're biased. I am very biased. I am biased towards what the Bible says about Jesus. So if you're trying to sort out true beliefs from false beliefs, here's what you can look for. Every every uh, every cult, every spinoff of Christianity, and I don't use the word cult as an insult here. It's just, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a deviation from a given faith, which the faith itself says, no, you're not one of us, get out of here. So like, we, we call Mormons a cult because, you know, not because we feel like dissing them. It's not an insult at all. What it is is that they're saying, yeah, this is Christian belief. And then uh, historic Christianity is like, no, you're, you're not actually in this group because you have, you, you have a different gospel. And so it's a, it's a cult. It's a deviation. So every cult, what you can look for is that they'll all bring Jesus down a peg right? Or several. They'll say he's created or he's not eternal or he's not, um, uh, you know, maybe he, he was one of the angels, but through his perfection, he became a God and you can do the same or whatever. Um, I had an interesting conversation with a, a, a cult member uh, one time where I, I, we talked about John five twenty three, where Jesus says, uh, if you do not worship me, even as you worship the father, you do not worship the father or you honor. If you don't honor me as you honor the father, you don't honor the father. And so I'm like, okay, so if we give if we give Jesus equal amount of honor as God the Father, would you say that we're elevating him above his proper place? And they said, yes, we think that God the Father is eternal and Jesus is, he was created at a certain point and he is glorious and deserves honor, but not the same honor as the Father. And I'm like, okay, so that fails Jesus' criteria, right? Because God says in Isaiah 45, I will not share my glory with another. And Jesus is like, I get that glory, right? So he has to be fully God, even as being, you know, even, even while being fully man. So yeah, firstborn of all creation does not, it's, it's not a, a chronological, I forget how you say this. I, I said it is, it's not a chronological statement. It's a statement of position. He yeah. wasn't, he wasn't. Title. Yeah, yeah, title. There you go. So he's, <clears throat> he sits in the, in the place and bears the title of the one who uh, rightly owns everything that the father owns. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Um, That's the work of Christ. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. So the the person of Christ includes this element that he's the boss, right? Mm -hmm. When disciples of Jesus get together, we call ourselves Christians because we are, you know, that basically means little Christ. We are imitators of him and we are supposed to do what he says. The primary Christian confession is that Jesus is Lord, which means he's the boss. You think of a landlord, you do with the property what the landlord says you do with the property. Jesus (laughs) is Lord of all, which means we do with everything what he says to do with it. Yeah. Now, do we? No, we screw up all the time, but then we repent and go back to him and say, okay, you are Lord. I'm not, I had my shot and I screwed it up. Um, 18. Okay, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That's an interesting statement. So we've got that firstborn thing again. Now, many people have died, and a lot of people died before Jesus. But among everybody who has died, he is the one who gets to, who, who rightly inherits eternal life, yep. right? He is the son of the eternal God, and he holds eternal the, the eternal life that God has in himself because he is preeminent among the dead, the firstborn. Yeah. So that in everything, he might be preeminent. Verse 19, oh, we love verse 19. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Yep. I just want to pause a beat on that. 
So, when they looked Jesus in the face, were they actually looking God in the face? Yeah. 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 That's, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Right? Um, that is exactly the claim that Jesus makes. Yeah. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Yeah. And through him to reconcile all things. Uh, this is the work of Christ again. Uh, verse 21 goes into the work of Christ. Okay, verse 22. Uh, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh, so that's his work, by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. All right. So what this says is, it's referring to his work, but it's saying that he is the reconciliation mechanism between God and man. Now, he accomplished that on the timeline with his work, which we'll talk about in a second. But you just need to know this, that Jesus is, just by by his eternal essence, he is the connection point between uh, the creator and the fallen creation. As mm-hmm. soon as the fall happened, God shows up and says, you know, all right, I'm, I'm dishing out some punishments now, and I'm dishing out some solutions. Snake, you know, Satan, here's your punishment. Man, here's your punishment. Woman, here's your punishment. The snake is going to, you know, slither on his belly and eat the dust of the earth, okay? That's kind of what he was doing, and God's like, you know, now you're going to get stepped on a whole lot, and, you know, and, and chicks won't like you. Which, which, by the way, is my theory on why women don't like snakes generally, because God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Now, I used to I used to have pet snakes. I love them. I think they're the coolest animal ever. Favorite animal. The horse is a close second. I think snakes mm. are the coolest animal in the world. But you can't get that snake around a woman. They freak out. Why? Genesis 3. The Bible explains everything. Okay. So, uh, he, he gives a punishment to the serpent, He get, which obviously there's more layers to it than what I'm saying right now. The punishment to the man was, look, you already labor. You already uh, work to get your food, but now it's going to be hard. Now the... the earth isn't going to participate with you the same way it's going to kick back against you now and it's going to be a struggle to put food on the table to the woman you already have babies this is a good thing but now that process of giving life is going to to come at a cost it's going to hurt it's going to be dangerous and it's not always going to work and so we're in this fallen creation now uh, under the the curse of uh, of a creation that has rebelled against its creator and so since we've rebelled against our creator we ought not to expect any of the blessings of the creator now he still gives us a lot of blessings which is just cuz he's nice but you know and and out of a great amount of love but we are under a curse so as soon as he gives out those curses he also says in verse 15 we woven right in there Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a baby born of the woman, and she's going to come, and and he, the baby, is going to come and fix all of this stuff that you guys just messed up. And so he prophesies the solution. This person came to be known as the Messiah or the Anointed One, and he was announcing right off the bat that this would be Jesus. We now know his name, you know, and and it is Jesus. So Colossians one here is saying that that. Jesus is the divine problem solver to our sin problem. So, so creation was separated from its creator by sin, and Jesus reconciles the creator to his creation. He is that connection point. And I think it's you know a couple things we look at. First of all, um, you know what does that make him? That makes him the God Man, right? He is fully God. Was with God in the beginning, right? We 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 read all that from First John. I'm sorry, from John. Actually, both from John and First John, if I remember correctly, and. You, he so he is fully God, but he's also fully man. Yep. He's a human. He was he. Jesus is both at the same time without diminishing either. Right, mm-hmm. and I think that that's um, that's an important aspect of it because most of our again most of our most of the cults those who would would alter something about Jesus to either make him more human or to make him more inapproachable, mm-hmm. it you know they're going to try and dilute one of the two. No, Jesus is fully God, full. You know, I mean the the, the Paul leaves no room for doubt. Right. Like John 12, I yeah. love that. He says, hey, you, you remember when Isaiah saw that wonderful vision in Isaiah 6? I saw the glory of the Lord in the temple mm-hmm. and his train of his robe and these angels are around, yeah. you know, singing and doing whatever. And the smoke fills the temple. I saw Yahweh. And John 12 is like, yeah, he was looking at Jesus. Yep. I think that was John 12, 54, if I remember correctly. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he was, he was looking at Jesus. So yeah. he is fully God. Yeah. And? He's fully man, right? In other words, he's. I mean, we, and we see that all throughout Scripture. We see him cry. We see him. We, I mean, you you can't help but think at certain aspects that he's not kind of giggling a little bit too. Yeah. You know, when he's when he's when he's talking with the disciples, um, you can see him get you can see him get frustrated. 
mm-hmm. angry, especially when um, when people are messing with his dad's house. You see him get yeah. scared in yep. the garden. Yeah, right? he was not. You know, again, a human, a, a, you know, a, an esoteric divine being w- might just kind of roll through in some kind of stoic nature. No, he's looking at the cross and what it's going to do physically to him on top of the 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 wrath of God that is about to come. And he's like, um, if there's another way, I'd rather drink a different cup. Yeah. Now, again, we also see him fully submitting, right? Because Jesus, again, when we get into it, he fully submitted to um, to God's to God's plan as well. Yeah, and and he was tempted not to like a human, yes. right? God cannot be, so James tells us, or is it Jude? Uh, God cannot be tempted. It's got to be James. God cannot be tempted yep. uh, at all. And yet, so he's talking about God the Father there because when the God-man shows up, he suffers temptation. And there are times where it was tempting for it to work. Now, he never gave in to the temptation. He never actually sinned. Hebrews 4.15 says that he was tempted in every way that we have been yet without sin, which means, by extension, now the Bible doesn't talk about this, so I don't want to go too far into speculation, but the the first question that comes up to us is like, well, was he, did he suffer under sexual temptation? Well, I'm not going to fill in those gaps because the Bible doesn't do it for us, but Hebrews 4.15 says he suffered every kind of temptation. So I don't, I don't find it hard to imagine at all that a 13-year-old Jesus woke up confused about girls at some point or, you know, like maybe, <laughs> how, how weird would it be if, uh, like if Jesus had like a middle school crush and then she gets to heaven someday and realizes that was her? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Like, Jesus loves me, this I know. I don't know, man. I don't know. But whatever, uh, whatever the, the specifics yeah. actually are, yeah. you know, and you don't want to get too salacious with it or whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah, he, he encountered absolutely everything in his flesh that, that we encountered, but he navigated it all without sin. Yeah. So yeah, fully man, and actually... He, he had a more human experience than we do. C.S. Lewis brought up this point. He was like, you know, sometimes we, feel, we can feel disconnected uh, from God or we can feel disconnected from Jesus because we feel like he wasn't part of our struggle because he was God. He was sinless. He, you know, what, he never had a guilty conscience, you yeah. know, until he hit the cross and he was bearing the weight of the sins of the world. But like our, our guilt and our shame so heavily defines us. How could you understand my experience if you haven't been through that before? Yeah. And Lewis's point was an excellent one. He said, Actually, he understands it better than we do because when we're tempted against sin, we all have a breaking point. At some point, we give in, and so the fight is over because sin wins. Yep. He never gave in, and so he's seen the, the fight against yeah. sin in a far deeper way than we have because he was able to carry it through further. Yeah. So he, he was, <laughs> it's a weird thing to say, he was more human than us yeah. in, in those ways. And I think that, and, and, and I'm going to jump on a little tangent because um, one of my biggest... I, I never do that, so yeah. you, I'm, I'm glad one of us I'm is about, willing I'm, to occasionally. I'm about to offend somebody in the listening audience, and for that, uh, I honestly, I'm not sure I can apologize on that. Ooh, so, yeah. Gimme, gimme. Okay, so every once in a while, usually around Christmas, we see this picture floating around social media, right? It's got... It's got Eve looking all depressed, right? And and uh, there's a there's a you know kind of a she's got this piece of an apple in her hand, and you see this this snake, right? And oh, then yeah. you see you see Mary dressed in blue, uh-huh. you know, with her hand comforting Eve, and her she's she's pregnant, yep. and her foot is on the head of the snake. Mary's foot. Mary's foot. Yeah. I I, I understand maybe some of the artistic, you know, wanting to kind of trim that up and, you know, you know, say, oh, Mary's comforting Eve. Oh, isn't that nice? But that is so theologically inconsistent. It's, it's wrong. I'm sorry. I just can't go get around it. It's like, no, no, no. It was Jesus's foot that crushed the, the head of the serpent, not Mary's. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. I'm yeah. I'm just saying from an artistic standpoint, someone may have gone there. I'm just saying I, it is Jesus who finished the work. It is not Mary. All right. Listen, man, you, you just worked really hard to be classy about that. I did. I'm gonna go ahead and fix that for you. <laughs> okay, you're gonna. You're gonna that fix is a that. that is a damnable heresy Agreed. that comes out of Roman Catholicism yeah. that says that Mary it, Mary's referred to as the co-redemptrix, meaning that she. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that she does. You're right. She does the work. Never with mind. I'm not Christ. Yep. Yeah, let it, let it fly. No, dude. Yeah, that is wrong. This, is the kind of, this undoes the gospel, right? That, yeah, exactly. So, look, our, our, our Roman Catholic friends, we love you guys, and we want you to turn away from this nonsense because you're not saved by Mary, okay? We are saved by the person and work of Christ. Now, we'll start talking about the work of Christ from Colossians 1 here in a second, but it is not Mary's 
in, in Genesis 3.15, it says that he, the baby that is born of the woman, he will crush the serpent's head. It's not Mary doing mm-hmm. the work of salvation. It's not Mary beating your sin. And it's not Mary that answers our prayers, right? In fact, even her own prayer, she says, I get to bear my Lord? What? Yeah. <laughs> remember, remember in John 2 where like the only thing that she says is, this is my son. Listen to him. Like, do whatever he says. Like, Mary, what do we do? Do whatever he says. That's Mary's answer. So if we, yeah. you know, when, when I hear people praying to Mary, hail Mary, full of grace, you know, yeah. please give us this and that, whatever. Her answer, if, if she were to answer a prayer, which she doesn't, but if she were to answer a prayer, it would be, listen to him, right? Yeah. Go, go talk to Jesus. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing, like, when I, when I rail against the Pope, because I don't, I, I, I don't hate Catholics. Love them. I don't nice even, people. Well, yeah, but some of them, like some of them, just yeah. like Christians, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like Baptists and Presbyterians and the rest. Great folks. The, the generosity actually within the Catholic organizational structure is is really a beautiful thing. There's a lot of great mercy work that goes on there, whatever. But I I I refuse to give the Pope a pass because he ought to know better. This kind of stuff is is a different gospel. So what you're getting at here is the 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 defeating of Satan, the beating of the world, the flesh, the devil, the beating of death, all of that stuff. That is done by Jesus and we we can accept no substitutes right yeah, so when it. we see Mary being a substitute it's like no we love Mary she's awesome she's like the coolest person ever it's like stop doing that to her you know don't, yeah and that's and don't and, put that weight on her and the sad thing is is that you know the beatification for example the the elevating of Mary I mean a she certainly wouldn't have had that and and the sad part about it is is you look at Mary's response no she was she was a very godly woman. Oh yeah, she was awesome. And we, and we ought to be more like her. Exactly. And yet and yet we've especially as Protestants, we feel like we have to kind of not swing the pendulum the other way. Yeah. Like we, we have to ignore Mary. I'm like, no, yeah. the, here I stand. This chick is pregnant and scared and alone at fourteen years old, we estimate. And yeah. she walks like a hundred miles, which is the difference from uh, the, the distance from uh, Tri-Cities to Ellensburg across a, da- a dangerous desert alone to go see her cousin. She had a spine made of iron. Yeah. No. She, I love this and, girl. And again, her, her magnificent. Mm. Mm. Good chapter stuff. one. You see, her, All right. you see her write some so, songs. But to that That was point, quite a tangent. Yeah. yeah. Good job. But Thank you. <laughs> but to that point, when we think of then what, what, what did this God-man do? What did he do? Right. And we get to what? What does God say He's going to do? He's going to crush the head of the serpent. He's going to. He's going to. And then it's later revealed, right? He's going to. By His stripes are going to be made whole. Isaiah fifty three. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon Him the sins of us all. Right. So there's something that He did, and we get into that in um, in verse in verses twenty and following. Right. To reconcile to Himself all things, whether in earth or in, he- earth or in heaven, making peace. By the blood of his cross. And let me just back us up here a minute before we dig into that. Because earlier in this passage, it talks about other stuff that he did leading up to that, right? Mm -hmm. So he, God the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now check this out, verse 16. For by him, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, oh, yeah. visible and invisible, yep. whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. So he is the point of creation, right? Bring, bringing glory to Jesus is the reason we exist, uh, along with bring, bringing glory to God the Father and mm-hmm. God the Holy Spirit. Um, but he created everything. So when, in the beginning of the Bible, when... You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was Jesus. That before He was named that in His mm-hmm. human flesh, right? That was God the Son, who was the active agent yep. in creation. He was the one pulling the triggers. And I mean, it's I'm sure there was overlap. Like the the Holy Spirit's hovering over the surface of the waters in Genesis one. He's doing stuff. The Father is speaking. He's doing stuff. But you know, Colossians one is telling us that when when things are being formed and you know separating earth from land and that kind of stuff this is the hand of the son of god doing this kind of stuff right so he is the creator god which john one also says um 17 he's before all things 18 okay yeah so verse 20 then is that where you started yes all right so and through him to reconcile all things uh, to himself whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross why is the cross such a big deal to Christians. Well, you you have um the cross is the justice of God meeting with the mercy of God. Mm. God providing, I mean all these times God says, "Okay, okay, God, humans, you've messed up. 
this deserves death. I'm providing a substitute in some form or another, right? You got Adam and Eve, they get the animal skins to cover their shame. You got, you got Abraham bringing his son up to, up to the Mount Moriah. Instead of his, him sacrificing his own son, there's a lamb caught in the thicket, right? The you substitute. Know, you have a substitute there. You have, you have the, the, the lamb being, being, uh, being uh, sacrificed and the blood being painted over the doorpost so that the, the nation of Israel would escape the destroying angel over Egypt. You have, I mean, all of these various Yeah, the whole sacrificial patterns. system in, exactly. the, in the Old Testament tabernacle and temple system yep. that Moses laid out, that whole sacrificial system, yeah. it's all about substitution. Yeah. To which we, you know, again, going back to my favorite book, Hebrews, right? You know, the author of Hebrews is saying, you know, all of that stuff still continued day by day or mm-hmm. year by year, right? They had and to keep was, on going. They had to keep on going because the, the sins were covered, not dealt with, right? And so mm-hmm. now what do we see on the cross? We see Jesus dying as a substitute, as a sacrifice, fully satisfying the wrath of God for 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 his people. Mm-hmm. And so what what that ends up doing is you have Christ satisfying the wrath of God infinitely because he's infinite God and he's doing it on behalf of humans. He is human. And so Jesus is satisfying that. And again, you 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 have that there's there's that there's that he's God is taking and this is where um Colossians 2 who is it 18 16 um, he took the written record of debt that stood against us. Um, sorry, that's verse 14. Uh, took a, God canceled the written record of debt that stood against us with all of its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Yeah. Right. So, so my report card, my all F report card, that long list, that got nailed to the cross. Right. Now, here's the other part, though, that we get to. We also understand that not only was that work finished there but then also jesus's righteous life his active obedience of god the father as well then what happens is through faith that actually gets nailed to us so it's not just that something is being taken from us our evil yeah it's that something is being put on yeah. us which is which is christ's righteousness yeah right? like, his righteous yeah. life and and i think i just it, wanted to see which which verbiage you would you would go to for that because it's such good news there's like a million oh, totally. different ways to describe it i mean you think about this right you know we how many of us have had a debt forgiven before yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people say like, yeah. yeah so you know what? Like, don't, don't worry about it, man. Yeah, I'll pay. You know, whether whether it's a small debt or a big debt. I remember one time I gotten into a pretty hefty load, and a, somebody came along, and and they took care of it. Right? Yeah, I, I wrecked somebody's uh, trailer one time. They had one. It, it was like a. It was one of those two wheel trailers where you put the the front wheels yeah. of a car on it and you can tow the car. Like yeah. You rent a U haul. Somebody loaned me one and the wheel well came off while I was driving it. I did something. I don't know what mm-hmm. it was. Anyway, so I broke the thing and I was dude. I I was a young guy. I was you know we were freshly married. Had uh, you know we we're having babies and stuff and I was just flat broke. Yeah. And this older guy that loaned me the trailer, I, I was like, okay, so here's what I'm gonna do, man. I'm gonna work this and that and save that up and I can mm-hmm. you know get a maybe find a guy to help me weld this. And he was like, yo, it's fine. I yeah. got it. Right. I'm like, no, I really want to pay this back. He's like, I got it. And which is great. And that is good news. But that's that's that first part. That's mm-hmm. that God stapling our negative report card to Christ. Mm-hmm. But here's the other cool part, right? It, it's not just God forgiving us a debt. It's also God saying, here is my American Express black card. I want you to run it. Mm-hmm. And I want you to run it up. And in the sense of, look, I'm giving you all things in Christ. I'm giving you all of his righteousness. You have access to me through him, through all of his authority. So it is, and, and that's that's the thing that we go to when, we're, when you're in Christ, you get to battle sin that way. We don't battle sin just by stopping doing it. We battle right. sin because we have Christ dwelling within us, which we can get into maybe in, in, in response. But I think that's important when we understand the work of Christ is not just him paying my debt. He actually lives in me yeah there's a beautiful picture of this in second samuel 7 where uh david looks at god and he's like look i want to build you a temple because there was no permanent temple at the time and the ark of the covenant's getting moved around and this and that he's like i'm living in a castle and you're living in a tent god that's not okay you need a more glorious house than little old king of israel so he says i'm going to build you a temple god comes back to him and he says listen you got a lot of blood on your hands from fighting wars in my name. And I appreciate all the work that you've done for me. Thank you, son. But your bloody hands cannot build my temple. What he's saying there is your work is polluted by the things of the world and is not fully acceptable to God. It's not um, holy. Now, the, the Bible is the... the uh, the law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, its term for that is unclean, right? It doesn't mean it's it's all evil. It just means it's not acceptable before a perfect and holy God because the works are not 
perfect and holy and pure in themselves. So he says, okay, David, I realize you want to do something good for me. Here's what I'm going to do instead. Your work is not acceptable for me in, in this way. Now, instead of me just saying, no, don't build me the house, right? I'm, I'm rejecting your work. I'm actually going to build you a house. And now David at this point is probably thinking, God's going to build me a house? I already have this, this castle. Like what, could he, what, more, what more could he do for me? And he says, the house of David will not be a, a brick and mortar structure. It's going to be a lineage. So I'm going to build you a legacy that's going to outlast you. <gasps> God's gift to me. I, want, I came here wanting to give God yeah. something, but it's not yep. acceptable. And now God gives me something. And it's something that's too great for my lifetime to even contain. And then he says, yeah, it's not just going to be a lineage. It's going to be... An eternal lineage, and it's going to be an eternal lineage of a king. You will never lack a son to sit on the throne. And so for eternity, people are going to be calling out to the king of all of creation and saying, son of David, right? So David's name gets drawn up into heaven, recorded there, never to be wiped out. And so this is what it's like. like we, we come to God with our, our tiny little offerings. We find they're, they're not acceptable to him, and then he drowns us. He just trounces us with these eternal blessings, and it all winds up being in Christ, yeah. who, by the way, is the son of David. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, a couple, uh, one verse that comes to mind is what Peter says in uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse, um, I want to say 16. 18. 18, think- yep. For Christ also suffered once for sins, that's what we've been talking about, the righteous for the unrighteous, that's that double, you know, report card exchange. Go, baby! That he might, here's the thing, bring us to God. I love that. It's not, uh, It's I, there's nothing to do. I let Jesus bring me to God, right? Yep. He's the one carrying me. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, which transitions us not not just from the cross, but also to the resurrection. Come on right? now. That's, again, Christian party number, probably number one. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get, I go back and forth between incarnation. We talked about this before, incarnation or resurrection, which is the biggest, uh, but. Well, yeah, yeah, I think, okay, so this is, this is a rabbit trail. Yeah. The incarnation, and I, I, I want to go down this just so that people get some familiarity with basic Christianity here. The incarnation means that God became man, right? So, so divinity, godness, took on human flesh. That's amazing. The resurrection is that Jesus came back from the dead. Now, the resurrection was the culminating event of all of history, right? The cross is the most important thing because that's where Jesus forgave our sin. The resurrection was where he celebrated it, proved that it worked, demonstrated his authority over the grave. Like that's, that's the, uh, the, the end zone dance, the spiking of the ball and the present, the presentation of the trophy, the, the Super Bowl trophy, right? So the resurrection is probably the, the biggest party that Christians should have is, you know, resurrection Sunday. Some people call it Easter. I prefer the term resurrection Sunday. That is the party for us. Now with that though, the the most amazing doctrine for me to consider the most amazing truth for me to consider is not the resurrection but is the incarnation because it's like to me and this is just one guy talking i don't know but if you've got god in the flesh and that flesh dies a resurrection is pretty much what you would expect <laughs> right mm-hmm. like that's not yeah, that's, that's not too far outside the bounds there but god taking on human flesh yeah. whoa hold yeah. the phone so i i have a lot more fun considering the the yeah. uh the incarnation which i don't want to i don't want to put down the resurrection now as a point of like the the work of christ oh yeah you don't get bigger than the resurrection the the cross and the resurrection are two sides of the same coin right yeah and that resurrection is a huge deal paul actually says in first corinthians 15 he says look if jesus didn't raise from the dead everything else is pointless yeah forget it don't even follow jesus if he didn't raise from the dead we're all wasting our time and we're wasting our lives yeah because because if that wasn't the case then then god would be a liar Yep. And and, yep. and to and 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 furthermore because he I mean, prophesied it. Exactly. And what you have is I mean, here's the deal. Why is another aspect that the resurrection another reason that the resurrection is so huge is it that's that's God saying, yeah, payment received, man. Mm-hmm. You you know, all of that applies. Stamp of approval. Exactly, right? And and you know, I mean, you see that over and over in in the discussions on the resurrection. I think in particular on on you know what you just quoted, First Corinthians fifteen, right? That is yeah. that is so crucial to the Christian faith, and that should be a comfort to us. That should be a a a, a proof, an apologetic for us. Look, mm-hmm. there's an empty tomb, and and there's enough historical evidence to still point to an empty tomb. Yeah, yeah, big time. There's and and it's growing. The body of evidence is growing all the time. Romans one, it says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection. Right. That was the point when I when I read that, I was like. Oh man, the resurrection wasn't just, you know, a um, 
It wasn't just a miracle so that Jesus could show some stuff. That was a declaration from God the Father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him, right? So then when we say, okay, Jesus is the son of God and Jesus is Lord and Jesus has power over life and death, we're agreeing with God the Father. What we're doing there is coming around to his way of seeing things and we are we are um, children of God by adopting the, the truth that God uh, believes, if I could say it that way. You know? Good. Yeah, so so we have this work of the resurrection, which I think sometimes we tend to, I, I don't want to say gloss over or forget, but sometimes in our God, like for example, we're we're doing this God, man, Christ, and response thing to help also give you, give give anyone handholds or, or or categories for the gospel, yeah. and so when sometimes when when we're presenting the gospel, we'll forget that the resurrection did a whole lot, and I think First Peter chapter one really brings that out when he when Peter when Peter says that. According to God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Nice. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are by God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That God himself, not only did he say payment received, but he said, hey, you now through faith in him have been born again to a living hope that is not going to fade away. So the it's, resurrection is a promise of our future resurrection, right? Amen. It's, it's Jesus saying, hey, all who are in me, all who, yeah. who trust in me, I wrap you up in me, yeah. and I take you with me in this resurrection. Which when, is in Colossians, right? You have that firstborn, yeah. right? that first promise. and That you implies have, that there's a nextborn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You have you have in uh, Hebrews, uh, I want to say it's chapter 12, right? That he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Yep. And, it's, it's like, and, and, and in, some, in some translations, you could even say captain, that he has forged ahead. Into you know, so another, I, lo- I love what you said a couple Sundays ago that he has forged a path from the grave, you know, from through the cross, from the grave to heaven itself, and it is through him and through us following him that we have that we have that promise, and it, and that bridge doesn't fade away. Yeah, the bridge isn't going anywhere. Right. So are we now where Christ has led? Hallelujah. Yep. Good stuff. So that's so when we think about the resurrection, that's what we have to also remember. It's it's it. There is hope that is based upon the resurrection. That's the critical aspect of the. You know, that is what the disciples had when they were going around. Mm-hmm. We had we're, we're serving a guy who beats the dead. You know, yeah. you beat death. You go ahead and kill me. Here's what my guy did, and yeah. I'm following him. He rose from the dead. Look, you you kill yeah. me, and that's my bridge. Right. So, I'm, you know, which, yeah. which the, it, the sword of Rome is an escape hatch for Christians. Exactly. That, well, that's weird. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Talk about redemption. Yeah, okay, so this Jesus, the person of Christ, the work of Christ. By the way, we keep saying the word Christ, right? Like, That's true, yeah, we got it. What that means is Messiah. So Old Testament is Messiah, which is the, the anointed one, meaning God's divine problem solver. The Hebrew word is Mashiach, which means Messiah, or which, which in English comes across as Messiah. He's the problem solver. You put that in Greek, it's Christos, which comes to English as English as Christ. So Jesus Christ is his title. He is Jesus, the the divine problem solver. Yep. He is Jesus, the bridge between sinful man and holy God. And this Jesus deserves disciples. Amen. Hungry for Wisdom is a ministry of Grace and Truth Community in West Richland, Washington. You can find out more about us on our app, social media, or at graceandtruthcommunity.com. We love him because he first loved us.